Good morning, everyone. Welcome here to uh, Walnut Hill here in Bethel, and I want to welcome you online and all of our campuses in New Milford, Waterbury, and Derby in the Valley. It's so great to be with you. We've been in this series called The Abundant Life, and I was thinking about how you kind of condense down some of the things we've talked about over the last several weeks. And one of the popular ways to talk about how we live the, the abundant life is what we do with our time, with our talents, and with our treasure. Have you ever heard that before? I think Joel Eisenhuis used to say it quite often, and I think it's very much ingrained in my mind. But it's a good way to think about it, because we've talked about rest and how we use our time also to serve the Lord. We've talked about the talents God's given us, how has he designed you, how has he made you, what gifts, strengths, abilities has, has he given you, and how are you using them to pour out for the sake of his kingdom. And we've talked about treasure last week in particular, He's made us good stewards. How do we, we become good stewards of the, all that he gives us? Keeping in mind that not, nothing is ours. We're all, everything that we're given is really on loan to us that we might just use it for his glory. And at the heart of all these things, I really enjoyed how Chuck shared about money last week because he, he, kept, he kept reminding us it's, it's the heart that matters most, and it's at the center of all of these, these things, our time, our talents, and treasure. Where is our heart aligned? When it's aligned, aligned with Christ, all of these things can come then in alignment with him and enable us to live our lives abundantly for, for the sake of the kingdom. So when we think about umweo uamuya yaya, try it again, umweo uamuya yaya, Trezar is going to have to tell me if I did it right, but that's the best I'm going to do today. The abundant life, I want to ask you, if you were living life to the full, living abundantly, what would it look like? And I think if I went to each of you and said, tell me some stories of your abundant life moments, I think I would hear a lot of stories about time spent with people. Am I right about that? You think about those abundant moments, those moments where you say, wow, this, I am living life for the Lord, or I'm living life to the full, whatever it may be, you're probably gonna talk about time spent with people. I think of a few snapshots in my mind. Atop White Face Mountain in the Adirondacks with my parents and my wife and my kids. We drove to the top that time. <laughs> Atop White Face Mountain another time with Amy and my kids, my parents didn't come along because we were exhausted, we were muddy, we were hungry, a little bloodied in some cases, and my kids were not too happy. I really believe they were looking at me and saying, if this is vacation, what would punishment look like? But for me, being up there having hiked it together as a family, oh man, that's an abundant life moment for me. I think about my neighborhood, dinners with our neighbors, Parties we throw in our backyard with neighborhood friends gathering together. I think that, those are abundant life moments. Chris Vitarello and his band playing music in my backyard for my neighborhood. What fun. I think about coaching soccer at Bunker Hill Park, looking across the street and seeing the church that would someday become part of Walnut Hill. I think that's the abundant life. And those are the times together. I'm seeing some of my, my uh, players sitting in the third row here, so that's fun too. Those are the times together with friends, with family, with neighbors, with people that we love that really remind us of the abundant life, don't they? And we wanna talk more about that today. Jesus boils it all down for us when he says that the abundant life is expressed as we live out the great commandment to love God with all our heart, 
with all our soul, our mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And today we want to look at that loving our neighbor as ourselves specifically. But Jesus wanted us to go beyond what was comfortable. A lot of what I've just shared in my stories was the comfortable things in a lot of ways. He wanted us to go outside of that, outside of the convenient, outside of the easy. His vision was much greater than that. And we see it in what Paul shares with us in the scripture we just read, but also in the book of Acts, which you've been reading through this year. He says that he becomes all things to all people so that by all means he might save some. And he does this for the sake of the gospel, which is the title of our sermon today, so that he may share in its blessings. This idea is modeled beautifully in Acts 17. Paul steps out of his comfort zone and he goes to Athens. Do you remember this story? He steps into the, the, the Areopagus and he starts to speak to the people and he shares about who Jesus is. And out of a love for them, he shares his passion for who Jesus is and what Jesus could do in their lives. What a moment. And many of them left that time believing and following the Lord Jesus. So I wanna tell you, I believe this message ought to encourage us to invest deeply into our relationships. It's part of the abundant life. To step outside of our comfort zones because the Lord wants us to use, to use us out there in the worlds that he brought, he's put us in. That we might see some saved for the sake of Jesus Christ. So whether through our words, sometimes it's our words that really, really affect those around us. Through our works, the things that we do where people get to see that this person loves Jesus the way he lives, the way she lives. Or even through the wonders that the Lord might do in and through us. We can trust God for the outcome. He, just, he calls us to be faithful. As we love others, scriptures tells us that we are also blessed. We've talked a lot about that. We, we are blessed to be a blessing, aren't we? That's how God set the whole world up for us. And today I'm confident you're gonna be blessed uh, because I'm actually gonna hand the mic over in just a moment to a friend who's gonna come and share. Uh, Clarence Haynes is the husband to Diana and the father to Terrence and Kayla. He spent uh, the last 12 years in the financial services industry, but don't worry, we're not doing another ser a sermon on money today, so breathe easy. Uh, he's, actually, he's just begun a, a, a new educational endeavor to, uh, be, to take on a new degree in instructional design and learning technology at the University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. He, he, he's a public speaker, and he does a lot in the area of educational seminars and webinars, but where I got to know him before I really got to know him was by, by watching some of his, um, his Bible study that he does every Thursday online. Um, you can find him at clarencehaines.com, and if you, want to, if you want the experience of growing in your understanding of Scripture, his Bible study on Thursdays, I would highly recommend it. He's also written two books, The Pursuit of Purpose and The Pursuit of Victory, all of this is great stuff. Clarence, you've done a lot of good things, man. <laughs> God has used you in a lot of great ways. But when I thought about this particular sermon, and I've, as I've gotten to know you, I thought this is a perfect sermon for Clarence to come and speak for the first time to us here at Walnut Hill. Because the mission of all that he does can be summed up in what you'll see on his website. It says his mission is to learn how to help us to live out our faith in everyday life. That's his passion. That's his heart's passion. And today, I'm so happy to invite 
Clarence Haynes to come and share on this topic. So Clarence, come on up and let's welcome Clarence to the podium for the first time here at Walnut Hill. Anybody excited to be here today? House of the Lord. I don't know about you, but the presence of the Lord is here, and sometimes God sets things up perfectly, and I think he did that today, uh, just by the songs and what you'll hear in just a moment. Um, before I begin, I just want to give honor to Pastor Craig and Adam and the leaders here that they would entrust me with their pulpit. That's not a, that's not a, a light endeavor. Um, as he said, the title of my message today is For the Sake of the Gospel. So if you wouldn't mind, just repeat that. For the sake of the gospel. Say that one more time. For the sake of the gospel. My first encounter with the gospel happened when I was six years old. I was in Calvary Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. I was sitting up in the balcony of the church, and the pastor was preaching, and he gave an altar call. And I was sitting next to my mom, and my mom is here today, somewhere in the auditorium. I can't remember where she's at. But, um, and I said, Mom, can I go down there to the altar? And she said, yeah, go ahead. And so I got up with the courage, and I uh, went down to the altar. Now, back in those days, the doors of the sanctuary, they would open them when they gave an altar call. And so people coming down from the balcony could just walk right in. Well, when I got down there, the doors were closed. So I didn't think just to open the door and walk in. I was like, oh man, I guess I can't do this. So I went back upstairs and I told my mom, I said, they closed the doors, I can't go to the altar. And she said, don't worry about it. So afterwards she said, um, sit down with one of our counselors. And I sat down with Marion Harmon, um, who's since gone on to be with the Lord. And six years old, she's telling me about the Lord and I'm sitting there and I'm crying. And she said these words to me, I've never forgotten them. She said, those tears are like Christ washing away all your sins. And I've never forgotten those words. You see, that was my first encounter with the gospel. And today, I want to encourage you. And at the same time, I want to challenge you today because as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been tasked with this responsibility of sharing the gospel with other people. And when it comes to the gospel and Christians, there are two truths about the gospel as it relates to us as Christians. One, we as believers in Jesus Christ are the greatest advertisements for the gospel. If I was to hand the mic or just tell, listen to the stories of, of all of you sitting out here, there would be fantastic stories of transformation of how God has taken your life and turned it completely around where you used to be one thing and now you're totally something different to the point where if you said, this is what I used to be, we would not even believe you because God has so radically transformed your life. And so we as believers in Jesus Christ, we are the greatest advertisement for the gospel. Sadly to say, unfortunately, is that we are also the greatest hindrance to the gospel. Because see, sometimes the, the words we speak or the lives we live or the actions we take, they don't align with who Christ is. And so people look at us and they say, wait a second, you're a follower of Christ, and then they do a measurement and say, well, if this is Jesus, why don't you look that way? And we become a hindrance to the message of the gospel. And when that happens, instead of drawing people in and, and drawing people to Christ, what we end up doing is pushing them away. And they don't want to hear what we have to say. And so the question I want you to consider today in relationship to the gospel is this. Are you showing the way or are you in the way? I want you to think about that. Are you showing? And I'm, and I'm asking myself this too. It's not just for you. This is for me. Am I showing the way or am I in the way? 
Now, as we go through this, I'm going to give you four things to consider as we think about the gospel. But before I do that, I want to answer two important questions for you. Here's the first one. What is the gospel? You know, I don't want to just assume we just automatically know what this is. But what the gospel literally means is good news. That's what it means. It's good news. What is the good news? It's good news that Jesus came and died for our sins. It's good news that your sins can now be forgiven, that you can be restored into personal relationship with the heavenly Father. That's, that's good news. It's good news that when we pass from this life, we have an eternal home in heaven waiting for us. Folks, that is awesome news. Would you say amen to that? Amen, right? That is awesome news. And this is the message that God has planted in each one of us, and he wants us to share it. That's the good news, but the question is why? Why share the gospel? Well, one, it's the truth, and we know it's the truth, and God wants us to share that. But two, when you have experienced how good Jesus is, you want to share it with other people. I was on a, uh, our, our job where I work, we had a, a work function in Manhattan at this restaurant called Zuma. It's like an Asian fusion restaurant. And so they had this beef dish. I, I can't even remember what the name of it was. And if you're a vegetarian or vegan, I apologize. You know, I'm sorry. But uh, and, uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever sat down to eat something and, you've, and you took that first bite and, like, your whole body just relaxes because the food is just so good? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it happened to me. I took that first bite of food and I just like, oh, it was that moment. And as I was eating the meal, because my wife wasn't there, I said, man, I would love for her to experience this. And so I, I, I took some beef home to her, and when I got home, I gave it to her. And when she took that first bite, guess what she did? Oh, it was just that good. Well, can I assure you something? The Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good, but God is far more wonderful than a plate of beef, all right? Think about who he is. When you have tasted of his goodness, when you have embraced his love, when he has showered you with mercy and grace, when he has not treated you the way your sins deserve, but has blessed you in spite of those things, when he has proven himself faithful to you over and over and over again throughout your life, despite your faithlessness, that is stuff to rejoice about. It's a, it just excites you. It creates an excitement in you about who Jesus is. And when you get that excitement welled up in your soul, what do you want to do? You want to run out and tell someone about it. You want them to experience Jesus the same way you have. Has anyone ever felt that way before? Yeah. Amen. Amen. But can I be honest? Sometimes we struggle with sharing this message. I'm going to raise my hand first, but how many of you have ever been nervous or fearful or afraid about sharing the message of the gospel with somebody else? Good. I'm not the only one. All right. I'm in good company here. I call it the what, when, if syndrome we, we fall victim to. We worry about what to say, right, if, you, if you're going to have the right words to say. We worry about when to say it, like is this the right time or, or is this the appropriate moment? And then we worry, man, what if they don't respond well to it? And when we worry about these things, what tends to end up happening is rather than sharing the gospel, you know what we end up doing? We just remain silent. We just kind of keep it to ourselves. We're like, all right, I'll just go pray for that, that brother or sister. <laughs> That's usually what we do. But today I want to encourage you to push through that because God has entrusted us with the responsibility of sharing the gospel. And by the way, this is not an option. This is your assignment. Listen to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what it says. It says, and all of this is a gift 
from God, speaking of our salvation, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Folks, that is our assignment. And to reconcile means to bring into agreement, to restore uh, good relations between two parties. And so God has entrusted you and me as his ambassador, his representative, and it's our mission, it's our purpose, it's our responsibility to bring this message, this good news, to those out there who have not heard it yet. But the other question I want you to think about is, well, how do we actually share this gospel? <laughs> you know, I grew up in New York City, and back in those days, I don't know if people do it as much anymore, but people used to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn, and they would preach the gospel, or if you're riding the subway, someone would get on the train and start preaching the gospel on the subway, just walking through car to car, or we would go out in the street and hand out tracts and do all those types of things. And, um, and no, I'm not telling you to grab a bullhorn and go to Danbury Mall with some tracts and go running through the mall preaching the gospel. That's not what I'm telling you to do. Um, even though some of you would jump at that in a heartbeat, um, that's not how it works for most of us. For most of us, sharing the gospel is simply going to come down to your relationships, to the people that you already know, the people that exist in your life. That's the most, one of the most effective ways of evangelism, just the people that you already know. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you four things to think about as you consider sharing this wonderful good news with other people. And I'm gonna call this the like method. Maybe I'll patent this before someone else steals it. I don't know, maybe I'll do that. L-I-K-E, the, the L stands for love people. You know, thank you, Terrence. That's my son in the back. He just gave me an amen. <laughs> I just heard it. <laughs> amen, thank you, Terrence. Big amen. You know, the gospel begins with one simple truth for God so loved the world. It's where it begins. And it's the love that Jesus had for us. That is the thing that drove him to the cross. It was his love for you, his love for me that drove him to the cross. And so the thing that should be motivating us to want to share this message is our love for people. Because there's a good side of the gospel, we recognize that there's a home in heaven for us, but there's another side of that too for those who reject Christ. And our love for people should drive us to want to tell them. And if we have the truth and we know it and we love people, we should want to share it with them. But sometimes there are things that get in the way. There's this term in our culture now which is called, um, people will say, that's your truth. You know, you, 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 te you, you tell them something, they say, well, you know, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. You, you, anybody ever heard that before? You've heard that before, right? Here's the problem with that statement. Truth is not relative. Truth is definitive, all right? The fact of the matter is just because someone say they don't believe your truth does not make it untrue. Because truth is truth. My daughter is studying gravity in school. Someone could say, you know, gravity is your truth, but it's not mine. But if they step off the stage, guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna hit the floor. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. The truth is the truth because truth is definitive. 
Jesus didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except they come through me. That's what Jesus said. That doesn't sound um, relative to me. That's a fairly definitive declarative statement. And he didn't say it's true if you believe it and it's not true if you don't. He said, I am the way. Whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact that Jesus is the way. It doesn't change that fact. And so we are responsible for telling people the truth. However, we're not responsible for how they respond to it. All right? And sometimes we get those things confused. We're just responsible for telling them. And if you love them, you will tell them the truth. And so the driving motivation for, for sharing this good news should be that we love people. And by the way, if you don't feel or sense that love for people, then I would challenge you today to pray and get God's heart because God's heart is always about reaching for people. That's the God we serve. He's a loving God. He is always reaching for people. That is his heart. The Bible says he doesn't want anyone to perish but all to come to repentance. So he is constantly always reaching because he loves you so much. And we would pray that that love would permeate our hearts so that we would never give up on people, but always be reaching them with the good news of the gospel. The I stands for identify. If you go back to our passage in 1 Corinthians, look at the things Paul did to identify with people. Bible says he made himself a, a slave to everyone. To the Jew, he became like a Jew. To the Gentile, he became like a Gentile. To the weak, he became weak. To, he was looking for common ground, and he didn't have to do this, but he did. Why? Because it was all for the sake of the gospel. You know, we live in a day and age where everyone has an opinion. And unfortunately, we also live in a day and age where everyone has a method of sharing what their opinion is, right? We call that social media, right? Um, and back in the day, you could have an opinion, but you had to tell, you could tell someone near you, but you couldn't tell the whole world. Now, in a second, you can react and let the whole world know what you're thinking. We need to recognize, though, sometimes there's something greater at stake than blowing off steam or sharing your opinion or um, winning the argument, proving everyone wrong. Sometimes there's something greater at stake. Even this morning, I'm driving to church, just driving down the street, uh, true story, and there's a guy walking his dog. I drive by him 35 miles an hour, and he yells at me, and he flips me the bird. True story. And I, and I, and I immediately thought to myself, I wonder if he's going to show up to church today. <laughs> that, that was the first thing I thought to my mind. <laughs> we need to understand something. Paul said he did this willingly. He said, I am, I am free. I'm a, not a slave to every, no one but yet I will choose to do this. You see, Paul took the low road because he didn't want anything to interfere with his ability or the ability for people to hear the message of the gospel. Let me tell you something, folks. The message of the gospel by itself is offensive enough. Tell someone they're a sinner, they, that's offensive. Tell someone Jesus is the only way, there's no other way, I'm sorry, there's no other way, that's offensive. The message is offensive. We don't need to be offensive in declaring that message. We don't need to be offensive, right? And so, for example, if Paul got together with his Jewish friends and had a meal, I'm sure he wouldn't have pork chops and spare ribs, right? Because that would be offensive. 
And then all of a sudden now, no matter what he says after that, they're offended. They can't hear the message of the gospel. They don't want to hear what he has to say after that. And sometimes we do the same thing. We make these we comments or we do something, and then all of a sudden, no one wants to hear about your Jesus anymore. And it goes back to the question, are we showing the way or are we in the way? It goes back to that question. So think about this. What if before we hit send or before we hit reply or before we decided to spew out whatever we're going to do, what if we thought about how will this affect my ability to share the gospel and fulfill my responsibility of my ministry of reconciliation? What if we thought about, man, how are these words going to affect my witness for Jesus? Will people be so offended that I can't tell them anything about Christ anymore? What if we just did that? You see, sometimes this means that maybe you don't respond Not because you don't have the right to respond, you have the right to, but you recognize that there's a higher calling. There's a higher uh, objective than just being right or getting my opinion out there. And that higher objective is the sake of the gospel. Let me make this really practical for you. To identify means finding common ground. And you already have common ground. You have coworkers, you have neighbors. If you have kids in school, there's other parents that have kids in school. you live in a community, there's already common ground. Those are grounds to, to build relationship with. Um, you want to meet people where they are, whether that's emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, meet them where they are. In other words, take a genuine interest in their life. Um, get to know them before you judge them, please. <laughs> you know, one of the challenges with being saved for, for a long time is sometimes we forget what it's like to live before we were saved because we just get so, so accustomed to this life and we forget what it's like not knowing Christ. That's why I'm always baffled when people get upset when sinners act like sinners. How else are they supposed to act? <laughs> what else are they supposed to do? They don't have Christ in them. The only difference between them and us is that we have Christ living in our hearts. That gives us the power to not live like that. That's the only difference. And let's make sure we speak in language they understand. There's church language that we use all the time. But guess what? For a lot of people in the world, that language has no relevance to them. So let's make sure we're talking to them in words that they can understand. Amen? Um, Also, identifying with people and meeting meeting them where they are does not mean you engage in or condone their sinful activity. It's not what I'm saying. It's okay to acknowledge that, yes, they're living in sin, but that doesn't mean you engage with it in order to try to reach them. That's not what we're saying. Paul said, I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of God. So we meet them where they are, but at the same time, we uphold our standard of holiness and righteousness, that we, exam- that we live as an example before them. The K is for kindness. Um, our job is to bring the ministry of reconciliation, not the ministry of condemnation. It's the difference between the two. Doesn't mean we don't talk about sin, but it doesn't, we have to recognize that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. We need to stop painting God as this angry judge who's ready to bring the hammer down. That's not who God is. Yes, there will be a day when he brings judgment, but in this moment, God is a loving father reaching out because he doesn't want anyone to perish. That's the picture of Jesus that we need to paint. That's the picture that we need to be painting. And we need to make sure we don't underestimate the value of kindness. Look at uh, Colossians 3.12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. 
don't underestimate the power of kindness. There was a gentleman I knew, I didn't know him very well, I knew his wife more because we served together in uh, Christian education ministry. Um, and his name was Willie, and Willie passed away. I didn't know Willie very well, I knew him, but I didn't know him very well. And I went to the funeral, and when I went to the funeral, coworker after coworker just stood up and said, man, Willie was the kindest person. They all spoke of his kindness. They all spoke of his love, his care. He, con- he was so concerned about the lives of, the, of his coworkers. They all talked about that. And when they would ask him, Willie, why do you care so much? Why are you so kind? Why are you so happy? And he would say, it's because I got Jesus in my heart. Don't underestimate the power of your kindness to open doors to share the gospel with others. Think of it like this. What if this week we started treating people the way God treats us? What if we started loving people the way Jesus loves us? What if we started showing compassion and grace and kindness and mercy to other people the same way God shows it to us? Imagine the doors of opportunity that could open just to say, hey, why are you so kind? Because I got Jesus living in my heart. Is that Right? You see, kindness is a reflection of who God is. Psalms 103.8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in compassion and loving kindness. The E, the last one here, stands for evangelize. In other words, let's look for opportunities to share the gospel. But please, 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 don't just develop a relationship with someone to make them your salvation project. I'm going to befriend you because I'm going to get you saved. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that, please. <laughs> Let there be a genuine relationship or genuine loving and caring about them. Because if you treat them like a salvation project, then um, if they reject the message, then you may end up rejecting them. That's not how God treats us. He's constantly reaching and loving. And if you are building relationships, then be sensitive to the Holy Spirit for those opportunities when you can actually share the message. Now, I know this feels like a huge responsibility, so I want to take a little bit of pressure off you. Corinthians says that some plant, some water, God gives the increase. All right? Say that with me. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. So remember this. Our job is not to save people because we can't. We can't even save ourselves. I'm going to save somebody else, okay? (laughs) Our job is to share the message. That's the expectation that God has of us. Share the message, and then the Holy Spirit will do the rest of the work. Share the message. Just keep throwing those seeds out, and the Spirit of God will do the work. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. And that's why when we love people and the way we treat them, we are either creating opportunities for that seed to to take root, or we're getting in the way. You know, the analogy of planting and watering recognizes one thing, that evangelism is a process. It's not an event. Salvation is the event, but evangelism is the process of planting and watering that brings a person to the point where they're ready to receive salvation. So you could be, you know what, you could go witness to someone and they got saved. Well, guess what? That could be the result of other people planting and watering all along the way, and all of a sudden God allowed you to see the increase, okay? But our job is to keep planting and watering. In other words, salvation and the message of the gospel is the long game of planting and watering and allowing the Holy Spirit to work to bring that fruit to life. You know, sometimes we treat evangelism like a farmer who, who planted a seed today and then they go back tomorrow and dig it up to see how it's doing. Um, that's not how it works. So, 
um, as the worship team comes back and uh, they can start playing. Um, so this is the like method. Love, identify, kindness, evangelize. Um, as I bring this to a close, you know, growing, growing up in, in New York City, there were plenty of street lights. You know, you live up here, there's not many street lights. But in New York City, there were plenty of them. And each of them were, were strategically placed um, to give light to a specific area. And if the light was out in one of those street lights, then it became evident. You might have light in other areas, but that particular area would be darker than the others. Why am I telling you this? God has called each one of us to shine light. Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out to all for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here's the truth, folks. God has strategically placed you where you are. You are not there by accident. You are there on purpose. The job you're in, the family you're in, the community that you're in, you are there on purpose. And God has lit you up and empowered you by the Holy Spirit for one reason, so that you could go and shine light in that area that you are in. That's why if there's darkness all around, the moment you show up, there should be light in the room. And if there's not light, then we need to ask ourselves, are we in the way or are we showing the way? God has made you an ambassador. He's entrusted you with the gospel. That means that your life matters. For the sake of the kingdom of God, your life matters. For the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your life matters. God has given you the ministry of reconciliation so you can go into a dark world that desperately needs Jesus and you can begin to offer this hope of good news so that we can bring reconciliation between sinners and their Savior. That's what God is calling you to do. So as you go out this week, consider how you live and how you speak and how you act if it, because it all matters for the sake of the gospel. Finally, if you don't know Jesus today, we've been singing about how good he is, how wonderful he is. Folks, he is that good. I've been walking with the Lord now for 46 years. I'm proud to say that. And if you're good at math, you now know how old I am, but that's all right. <laughs> I can assure you this. He is the way that you've been looking for. He is the truth that you've been searching for. He is the life that will fill every empty void in your heart. He is that good, and he, do, and he loves you that much. So, Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I pray for every person in this room, those who know you, Father, I pray that you would challenge us all, God, to be mindful of the light that we shine. For those that don't know you, Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would take what has been happening today, Lord, and give increase. I thank you for it all.